0: you're in the right place. Well, hello, hello, my friend. Dana Wilson here. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I'm jazzed that you are listening right now because today's episode is so sweet and so solid. Our guest today is Mimi Cave. She is a dear friend of mine and also a huge inspiration. I think the world of her work, as you are about to hear, <laughs> for uh, several minutes on end um but i'm also so thrilled by how generous she was in sharing i can tell that she cares about um other people and is is willing to let her lessons help guide future generations of of makers both filmmakers and move makers um which i'm pretty sure is all of y'all so hmm, before we get into the episode we must first of course do the wins segment And uh, that is where I celebrate something going well in my world, and then I yield the floor to you, you tell me or a passerby, anyone nearby, what's going well in your world. Uh, I think this is important because, uh, as Mimi and I will discuss in the podcast, there are ups and downs out there in in this pursuit of a professional creative life and uh, i do think it's important to celebrate the small stuff today well and the big stuff i am celebrating reconnecting with a very old friend and when i tell you <laughs> we have been friends since birth what i actually mean is that our moms were friends while we were in the womb and so when we came out we linked up and made up a handshake and became friends immediately um rachel verizer uh, and I have been friends for my whole life. Our birthdays are near to each other, and um, this year on our almost the same birthdays, we shared some photos. We caught up. Um, it was it was very cathartic to feel the same love for a person that I have not connected with in a very very long time. Which for me was evidence that relationships are simply the thoughts that we have about other people. The relationship is not the time spent. The relationship is not the experiences shared. The relationship is the way you think about that person. And I have thought the world of her since we were born and I still think the world of her. It just lit me up to see her name on my phone. And um, that's my win this week and is also me encouraging you to maybe reconnect with someone that you've known for a long, long time that you maybe haven't connected with in a long, long time. That is what I'm celebrating today. Rachel Verizer, I love ya. Oh, I'm sorry, your last name is not Verizer anymore. That's how long it's been. Rachel Middleowski. Wow, how's that? Rachel Middleowski? I love you, my friend. Always have, always will. Now it's your turn. What's going well in your world? Hit me. Congratulations. I'm so glad that you are winning. Please do keep it up. You're crushing it. All right. Now let's get to the good stuff. Our guest this week Mimi Cave, director, creative director, dancer, choreographer, writer, and dog mom to Olive the dog, which is very important. If you knew Olive, you would know how important that actually is. Wow. Exceptional. All the way around. That's it. I'm going to stop my chatting. I'm going to throw you into the very capable hands, ears, words, words of Mimi Cave. Enjoy. (laughs) You cannot see it, but I'm grinning ear to ear. Hello, Mimi Cave. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Oh, man our oh man our 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 right where do we begin i feel like <laughs> we've got a a rich professional and personal history there's mm-hmm. uh there's dog sitting in there there's music videos in there there's seaweed sisters in there mm-hmm. um i truly don't know where to begin other than to state for the record my love for you is immense and my admiration of your work is like i don't know a, a, another word that's bigger than colossal or like i want to say <laughs> olympic it's like olympic level I mean, gold I think you medal should olympics
1: just pull it back pull it way back
0: <laughs> <laughs> my my
1: admiration for your work is mediocre great um, there we go but now it I, is actually yeah. really big thank you <laughs> thank you and and back to you friend Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, so since
0: I don't know where to start, we'll start this episode the way I start all of them, which is by letting you introduce yourself, um, oh, which no. can be awkward, but you're going to be great. Let us know whatever it is you want us to know about you.
1: That's all right. Uh, this is always the hardest part for me. Um, my name is Mimi. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah I'm I'm a, a multi hyphenate I guess or used to be used to be more of a dancer and a filmmaker and now I'm a bit more of just a filmmaker as these uh, as these bones get creaky <laughs> <laughs> I feel that but that's kind of all I have is, is that is that yeah. it that's the period so that's I'll take it the period yes. on the sentence yeah
0: yeah I'm a fan of simple um, and I'm also hearing you on the creaky bones part of this in mm. our pre-roll to the pod, I was talking about uh, my sore, sore muscles from taking a dance class in heels yesterday. Um, yeah, yes. age, it's happening. That's real.
1: Yes. And although I couldn't join you, I i saw ah. the word heels and I immediately, my body actually hurt just, just looking at that word. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> Sometimes when I try to
0: put on contact lenses in the morning... I feel like my eyeball actually spits them out, and <laughs> there there are days also where I feel like my feet reject anything other than my Croc slides. Mm. <laughs> I try to put them in a sneaker. They're like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yep. We need foam or just a sock yep. in general. Yeah, just a sock. Um, but for for whatever reason, it felt like welcoming my 36th year of life with a... 10 in the morning burlesque class. It just felt like that was the best way to love on myself. And you know what? I was right. It felt amazing. And only now <laughs> when the lactic acid has built up do I have any form of regret whatsoever. Um okay. So Mimi. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm super stoked that you introduced yourself as a multi-hyphenate. I find that empowering and awesome and great. Um and one of the very many reasons I'm excited to talk to you today because I am interested in dance and choreography and filmmaking, and you are all three and really freaking good at them. Sorry, I'll stop that. But uh, I suppose maybe this is where we'll start. I love talking about training. I love talking about what landed people where they are. Um, Could you talk a little bit about the, the training, dance or otherwise, that prepared you for the work that you are doing now?
1: I think like when you're an artist of any type, you're kind of always following your instincts to a certain degree. Obviously we have to like pay our bills and things. Um, But those two things combined, those two necessities, one being to scratch whatever creative itch you're needing and the other to paying your rent, um, I feel like it's just like the choices you make lead you down a road that you either plan for or you really, really don't, usually the latter. Um, I think that for me, um, I, I, I was dancing since I could walk. So I, I started dancing at, at three years old and um, only really stopped when the pandemic hit. And uh, yeah, and that's when I was now your age, Dana um -hmm. (laughs) we don't need to get into numbers um (laughs) but so dance has always been a big part of my life and and for all the dancers out there I think you know that if you grow up doing it and you continue to do it into adulthood the reasons why you do it shift and change and grow and if you can kind of adapt to those different reasons it's really fulfilling to be able to continue to do it if you can physically continue to do it um Mm -hmm. but I think also with that whatever if you're doing any sort of other art or any sort of other profession whether you realize it or not dance is informing those things your discipline for training your um spatial awareness um the ways in which you move through the world, the ways you treat other people around you. If you're growing up in a dance studio, there's just certain things that are ingrained in you in terms of like, yeah, how how you behave, I guess, and, and how you see things, uh, how hard you work, all of that. So for me, um, I think dance has informed everything I've done, um, even in the ways that are just really not very obvious to others. Um, and... In terms of film, I didn't really discover, I didn't even know I could do that as a job until I was in college, like, kind of like, you know, like, I just kind of light bulb because growing up in the Midwest, um, it's just not something you really think about because there's no one else around you that is doing those things. You don't, no one's friends, parents are in the industry or anything like that. So you're not Mm -hmm. seeing it. So you're not knowing it's a possibility um and in the 80s as a as a, a young girl especially not so um yeah so i think like once i i discovered filmmaking i really was interested in docs at first because i think my my instinct is there were it was the the way in for me like telling stories but then on the flip side i was making these w- little weird dance films Mm -hmm. You know, just getting cameras and kind of like experimenting with angles and light and um, coming from a very performance-based mindset. I wasn't really, I didn't have any goals in terms of what I was trying to make. I didn't even know, again, I was so clueless. It was just like something interesting and fun and intriguing to me. Um, so it was very Mm. guttural. And then, you know, as the years Mm. went on, I I could go through a million different jobs I've had, but, um, I'll kind of leave it there because I think like those two things basically began to marry when I was in in college in my early twenties and they never really unlinked. Um, and I think over the years they've just, it's been this seesaw a little bit and then sometimes they'll meet up in this really beautiful way together. But, um, Yeah, they they inform each other a great deal.
0: Ooh, I'm taking some side notes because I, because always I'm trying to name these episodes as I'm in in them. I'm like, oh my God, that is such a beautiful theme. Like, that's what I have to learn from you right now. Or that's what I hope to share uh, with you right now. And Mm -hmm. I'm, probably because it's so recent, but in burlesque slash cabaret class that made me so sore. Uh, Jillian Schmitz, who was the instructor, started talking about, um, you know, theater like you do in a cabaret burlesque class. And she was talking about presence um, and being interesting and how it's not usually the quote unquote best dancers that get our attention. It's the ones that are the most interesting. And what I'm hearing from you is that interesting might equal following your interests like you did the things that were interesting to you maybe even without a plan and that led to interesting work that led you to other interesting Mm -hmm. things and i think it leads to your work being really really interesting which Mm -hmm. is not um i i really i think I don't even know if I've seen all your work, but I've seen everything that's on your website. I've seen everything that I've obviously <laughs> been a part of, but I think you have a gift for having a very intense focus, but but with kind of a soft finish um, on humanness, specifically on woman-ness. And it's one of my favorite things about your work. And even though it's like probably traditionally darker, and I use that word in heavy quotations, mm-hmm. like darker than what I think my taste would traditionally gravitate towards. I love it. And when when I'm watching, for example, a music video of yours, it ends and I start it over again. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I've been satisfied. I don't feel like it was a little piece of, like, candy. I feel like that was substantial. I need more. Let me, like, I want seconds. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's deliberate. And I don't know what the... um. What, if your palette is something that's always been that way, would you even consider your work dark? I mean, it's dark relative mm, yeah. to um, m- 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 me, which is like a rainbow and a sprinkle. But <laughs> I guess what are, what are you drawn to in a project and how would you explain
1: your palette? Are you drawn to dark? Is it yeah. dark? Is it darkness? Think- what is dark? I think I'm drawn at, definitely not to literal dark, but I am drawn to, um, I think, darker thematic ideas, partially because those tend to be the things that allow my imagination to open up. And mm. I guess the the thing I've tried to do is not to question that and, and sort of just live in whatever it is that sparks my interest. Because, uh, yeah, I think those have tended to just be darker and and I guess for me it's like a it's a more that I have like sort of darker or not darker deeper psychological interests and so that's where the humanity comes in and I think that's just tends to be something I'm fascinated by in terms of the fact that we're all just these like you know (laughs) skin bags walking around and like we have these brains inside of us and these like muscles and all of these things that work together and like how incredibly different our filtered experiences are and you you cannot know what the other person's interior thoughts are i just i find like the fact that you know there's so many different type of types of um you know, psychological disorders and, and things, ways in which the brain um, compensates for itself and ways in which our chemicals balance out and ways in which, you know, our genetics take, like, just all of this kind of, like, science around being human and, and how sort of um fragile it all is. I just find a lot of interest in that. And those mm-hmm. themes tend to go into a little bit more of the sort of behind the curtain, maybe not as uh, bright and cheery and presentational, um, Mm -hmm. thoughts. But, but, but again, like, I'm not usually thinking about that when I'm doing it. I'm just kind of following whatever the instinct is because my biggest, my biggest fear and the thing that like, I think is the thing I struggle against is, um, stagnation and, and, Hmm. and that feeling of like, oh, it am I going to be able to come up with X, Y, and Z for like a Mm lot of the, a lot of my job is like coming up with concept concepts, you know, and visual Mm -hmm. concepts and approaches and, um, storytelling through visuals. And, and, and there's this always this fear of, can I do it? Am I going to be able to do it in an interesting way? And what I've learned is like, if you are. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit heady. But if you're you're making decisions from an instinctual place and you find the time passing and you're not really thinking about it, that's where you need to be. And that's when you know you're in, Mm. like, your zone, right? If I'm in a situation Mm. where I am like, I don't know, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. I truly – I can't connect to that. I don't know. All my creative juices have completely been dried up. I don't, you know, then I'm like, I'm not in the right zone here. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, I'm just following the thing that allows me to keep flowing. And for whatever reason, I guess that tends to have a bit of darkness to it. I hear you. Um, In that fear state, the
0: moment where you're questioning or doubting or uncertain, if you can deliver, if you can like like i think in that place like flow state is not even an option you're just like trying to <laughs> white knuckle grip the finish mm-hmm. do you have a thought or a like checkpoint that helps you recalibrate to get back into flow or do you is there a thought that helps you to not be afraid w- what do you do from yeah. that place
1: it depends on what part of the process i'm in in terms of filmmaking at least if i'm by myself versus if i'm on set and surrounded by people um mm-hmm. I think when I'm around people, I use them. You know, it's like a, a great tool to say like I'm stuck, you know, and and mm-hmm. and, and let's let's kind of start from the beginning again. Let's try again, you know. Does anyone have any ideas? Because <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. fresh out. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's always good because I, I love I do think for me personally, conversing and collaborating always gets my brain moving. Um, Mm -hmm. because there's this feedback, this firing feedback that someone will say, it's almost like word association. Someone will say something and you immediately imagine things and then your brain can start to click back into a a momentum. Mm. And Mm. when I'm by myself, when I'm like writing or things like that, um, that's harder because I have to sort of like figure out things that allow me to click back into that. And it usually takes a little longer because I don't have that immediate, uh, you know, I'm not immediately surrounded by this incredibly talented pool of people. So, um, yeah. It's harder
0: to play word association with yourself. Yeah. And in
1: those, (laughs) yeah. And in those cases, it's like taking a break, uh, not for too long, (laughs) um, moving my body, Mm -hmm. um, maybe approaching it from a different angle if i can't for some reason crack something Uh, starting over listening to music just getting trying to do anything to sort of like shake it up i guess Mm -hmm.
0: yes uh, underlying anything like when you were afraid anything is better than fear so even if it's like some other form of frustration or stuckness or something yeah i i in my process as a performer and as a creator, I think fear is like a kiss of death. It will paralyze me. It will keep, like you said, the creative juices from flowing. It's not the it's not the flow state for me. So I'm with you on that one. I would substitute anything else uh, for fear. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and for me, the actually one of the scariest things, and it's why I, I didn't continue on with choreography, is because for me, the the most dread I've ever felt is creating movement sequences. I mm. I, I I'm really really my brain just doesn't want to create something out of nothing, and that's how I feel choreography feels to me, and in, in my perception of it, it feels so daunting. And I, yeah, I just, it's not something that I have ever been able to easily find a way into. And man, have I tried. <laughs> um, wow. But I, I learned early on, like, I'm definitely more of a, in terms of the choreographer, dancer world, I'm definitely more of a dancer. I like following. I like mimicking. I like perfecting, um, mm-hmm. you know. And then in terms of filmmaking, I'm much more into the directing, which is kind of a strange flip, but yeah, choreography is the scariest thing to me. So anyone who does it, I'm like, you're, you already are like on a pedestal in, in my mind. That is
0: freaking awesome. That's very cool to hear. I did not know that about you. Um, and I, I share a bit of that. Um, it wasn't until, I mean, I still have my days, but owning the choreographer hat fully Mm. Is also a challenge for me because I think I believe somewhere that I should love the process. Like yeah. in order to really wave that flag with pride, it should it should make me happy and be fulfilling. And it doesn't most of the time. It's painful for me, or mm. or arduous. Maybe not painful, but just like ugh, the slog. Um, yeah, that's that's and that's okay um, with me. But when I have you know sixteen hour days of that it does become not okay pretty quickly that it can be really tough especially yeah. if it, if i were to be doing it in a vacuum but thankfully you know the type of work i'm doing i'm rarely doing it alone so that's mm-hmm. again the how glad are we that it takes a village <laughs> we are very yeah. glad uh, yeah. to have teammates yeah um okay so something you said a second ago about about our like multitudes of difference how everybody is is a, a mysterious. Did you say flesh bag or skin bag? I can't I remember. what it was skin. Whatever it was, um, sounded gross okay. uh, as it came out of my it, mouth. I'm with it. No, I'm with it. I I think that is what we are. Sometimes I call it my shell. Um, there's this shell that's me, and then there's you know my inner workings and that's my experiences nice. that make me who I am. Um, but I one of the things I'm really glad about is that people can't read my mind. But one of the things that makes me most frustrated in the world is that I cannot read other people's and I'm like, I just wish, I'm like, if only I knew exactly what you were thinking, I could deliver or I could, you know, this would be somehow easier. But as soon as I remember, Oh wait, if I could know what they were thinking, then they could know what I was thinking and I actually don't want that. I'm very glad to have the safety of my shell. Um, but I'm, now I'm thinking about the element of mystery in your work and I'm wondering if is it important to you that you always know what's going on in your character's mind? I'm thinking specifically actually not of a theatrical thing but of a music video you did for Vance Joy a long long time ago, long long. I mean, what is that? I don't even know. Uh the one that Devin Jameson steady cammed on the girls in bathing suits with goggles. Oh yeah. And they're like in Hawaii. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I just thought it was the most mysterious thing. I had no idea what was going on in the <laughs> minds of these people. Did you or were you okay with the not knowing? Were you just cu- was the camera curious cuz we are up in there? And yeah. um yeah, that's 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 curious to me.
1: Yeah, I had a I had a probably more knowing than people watching it cuz I had a story. Um, but, but then, you know, another layer of that is sort of, like, how the performers, um, translate my sort of, like, outline of a story into performance, and so Mm. they are probably the people that end up knowing the most, um, but yeah, it's funny, I, um, that was such a fun thing to shoot because we had all this freedom, there was no one there like we just went and made this story and i loved that how strange it was and how kind of ephemeral it was and um yeah and i i have no idea how other people read it that's the other thing like i mm-hmm. have such a bad gauge of my own work that when i watch i watch things <laughs> that i've made i have no clue where it sits against other things people are watching. I just really don't. I've never been able to do that. Never been able to remove myself. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I don't even try try anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I just am like, people say Um, things about stuff I make and I go, oh, that's interesting. I just am like, I I have no clue, really. So
0: (laughs) That's so interesting to me. And I'm thinking back on... The night, uh, you ever so kindly invited me to a screening of Fresh before it came out on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, we were kind of all standing there talking about it in the parking lot. And I was convinced. I was like, the world's going to fall in love. They're going to be obsessed. This is like, it's like the next parasite. It, it's going to be so dark and people are going to love it so much. And it's I, it's I was committed to that.
1: Mm-hmm. And you were
0: like, really? Do you think, I mean, there was, I think at that point there was already, you had already gotten some um, feedback, right? Had it, had it premiered? Had it screened no. anywhere else? Or was that...
1: When you saw it, um, no, it was, we had done audience screenings, which we we did rate quite high on. And, and the assumption was that the movie would be in theaters. And really the only reason it wasn't was because of Omicron. Um, mm-hmm. But at that point, no, we were... We weren't sure who was gonna buy it. We weren't sure where it was gonna go. So it was—you be- saw it before Sundance, before uh, Searchlight bought it. So, um, mm-hmm. but we did know that theatrical audiences really loved it. Cool. But, no. And even
0: so, you, you, you—did you still? I mean. Was there still uncertainty? Are you still uncertain about it? Where do you stand about it? Well, the Where do you thing stand on it now?
1: So funny now is that because of the platform it's on, um, I still don't know because it didn't go to a box office and box office numbers are really helpful for filmmakers to yes. know mm-hmm. how things are being perceived. Um, yeah, but the money can't be faked or hidden. <laughs> yeah, and and people showing up it's like word of mouth is it's such a big thing and. When it's in mm-hmm. people's homes, there's no way to know except for data, and Hulu does not release their data. So we have I have no clue. I have absolutely no clue. I'm living in a dark shadow of unknowing. <laughs> um, and I actually, I can't tell if I like that or not, but either way, it's like, I just I'll talk to people and they're like, oh, you made the, uh, you know, and they'll be like, oh, it's doing so well, and I go, it is. How do you know? <laughs> right. Where are you <laughs> because, getting that, yeah, that information? Please, I know that please infring- point me in the direction of the information. Yeah. I actually think you, I think you can maybe find out how it's doing globally because it is, it is in most places in the world you can see it in, on Disney Plus, and um, those numbers are more red. I don't know though. I don't keep up with it, so I just really have no idea. Um, that yeah. streaming stuff gets sticky.
0: It is hard hard to tell. Yeah, um, but I yeah. will tell all all ye listeners if you haven't already watched Fresh on Hulu, um, I really strongly encourage you to go do that because I was riveted beginning to very very end. Um, if you know nothing about it, I will t- I will say this the the review that stuck not review but the the title like the clickbait thing that I read about it mm-hmm. that caught me the most. Somebody called it a <laughs> I, you know. I a boy boy eats girl rom-com thriller. And it took me like a second read because I was like, wait, boy meets oh, nope, boy eats girl rom-com thriller. So that's all I'm going to say. Go enjoy fresh. Um, but Mimi, process-wise, no spoilers because I want everybody to see this and be as like caught up in it as I was. Um, but... I love asking myself about my own work, and I encourage my students to do this as well. I love to give some self-feedback, and I love to ask if there was anything that went exceptionally well that you think you want to recreate all the time that you work, Mm -hmm. and if there was anything that you would 100% do differently if you had another stab at this. So what went well, and what would you do differently?
1: Um, You know... Normally, I have a clear gauge on those answers. I think because we made our film pre-vaccine pandemic, it was such mm-hmm. a highly. Um, we were on such high alert every day that you know we didn't know if we'd be shut down the next day, or if we'd be able to mm-hmm. keep going. That there was this sense of urgency around everything, but also like, in, in a way that I don't think can be. Can ever be replicated recreated yeah uh-huh. and and so because i was operating on in this very sort of like high stress high adrenaline kind of mode um i think a lot of things that decisions i made i don't even remember <laughs> um but that being wow. said um trying to think of something that went really well well i got i got really good advice in the beginning of the process it being my first feature-length film. um, uh, And that advice, you know, for anyone doing a long-form project out there was uh, to take everything two days at a time. And I think that Hmm. that really stuck with me and has continued to stay with me because when you're doing something that's on a large scale like that and you're involving that many people, you know, hundreds of people, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. And there's lots of money involved and all that. It's just you can very easily, I think anyone can very easily kind of shut down or get overwhelmed. And of course, I got overwhelmed all the time. But um, taking everything two days at a time kind of like made it so that I could handle everything because I was like, well, I can't think about what's happening next week or next month. For next year mm-hmm. but I know I can think about today and I know I think I can think about tomorrow and beyond that I get a little stressed <laughs> so mm-hmm. I tried to keep my focus quite narrow in terms of what was around me time wise and that was mm-hmm. something that I, I did pretty well like I stuck to that in a way that I think was what got me through it it's what allowed me to have a relatively smooth process um, for a feature regardless of doing it in a pandemic. Um,
0: Right. The fact that it was smooth, even given that circumstance is wild to me and, and speaks to your nature on set, which I can speak to because I've been on set with you many times. I, I have never heard you yell or raise your voice. It's never felt sweaty or tense. I mean, it's been hot, but not like, you know, (laughs) clammy, you know, it's, um, is very calm and um, I think I, I don't think we've worked together since fresh, but if that was your way before you learned that valuable lesson about two days at a time, then I'm so excited for the next time our creative cross cross path. <laughs> I say that all the time. Oh our God. creative paths cross. Yes. Um, yeah, my I think the idea of two days is more, I mean you you as the leader of that ship cannot think one day at a time. Because people need information about what will happen tomorrow Mm -hmm. before they go home that night. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, you have this work around the clock thing, which leads to burnout and nobody's working at at their highest potential. Um, Mm. I love that. I'm going to try to employ. Thank you for the golden nugget. (laughs) Um, We're going to move on, but only a little bit move on because I still want to talk about um, the dance and the use of movement in Fresh. Um, Sebastian and Daisy obviously have some like more what is obvious dance. They have a very cute, very human. And I think Megan Lawson who choreographed it, who I'm so, so glad um, you got to work with and they got to work with and she got to do this work. There's this lovingly, very human couples dance that's like absolutely the way you dance with someone when you're on a date in their living room versus Mm -hmm. at a club or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, It just felt so spot on. But also his um, kitchen solo, which felt like um, ritualistic and free. It felt like Tom Cruise in the white shirt without pants. What was that movie again?
1: Risky
0: Business. Thank you so much. It felt like Risky Business meets Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I'm so afraid of um, what's-his-name-in-the-basement while well, Enya is playing. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was, like, so spooky, entertaining, good. And I I wonder how you explained what you wanted to her and how you guys arrived at that with Sebastian, because I'm assuming he was um, you know, had to be game for all of that as well. Mm -hmm. How did that all play out? I love that scene so much.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we would have probably involved Meg earlier if there wasn't a pandemic. Um, but you know, uh, having to quarantine and do all that stuff, we didn't get to be with her physically till pretty much the day we were on set. So, um, Sebastian and I, uh, had been kind of like, talking about the dance for a long time because it was a scene in the original script and it was very much something he was looking forward to but probably also a little bit nervous about and it's just sort of like a wild concept of a scene um mm-hmm. but something people who read it and like the script really were drawn to including me so mm-hmm. um so yeah so we basically like he and I he'd been kind of like coming up with some some of his own moves for a while and I knew exactly what I wanted the scene to look like lighting wise and kind of energy wise and so we kind of did a bit of blocking and we had a a good chunk of time to shoot the scene I want to say almost a whole day um and we (laughs) I thought you were going to say
0: like two days or three days (laughs) so almost a good amount of time is a day that's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it does go by pretty quick. It, I mean, it it is it's fast, but yeah. Um, okay, carry on.
1: Well, I'm trying to think back to our process because because things happen so fast. But I'm pretty sure what happened was that we we got to set. Meg was there, and what I wanted was this sense of like he could improvise, but I needed him to hit his marks for camera. And so mm-hmm. I I sort of planned out his blocking in the space. With him, like, you're Mm going to be here, you're going to be here, you're going to be here. And then what Meg helped with was kind of, like, harnessing some of his natural inclinations of movement into each of those moments. So, like, in Mm -hmm. this space, you're going to, here are the the three or four movements you're going to play with. Once you get to this uh, mark, it's going to be these, and so on. And then, like... Mm you know, once he, if he did something we really liked, obviously, you know, you're very aware of this process, kind of saying, okay, keeping that, scratching that, editing as Mm -hmm. you're shooting, Mm -hmm. um, and then throwing, you know, Meg and I throwing in ideas as we're shooting, and also Meg kind of like being able to step in and help him, maybe do a movement that in a slightly different way or a slightly different angle, or how do we get his body, you know, to hit a certain, um, light. And, and so she was able to help, you know, translate the physicality. Um, and then it was just about, you know, because actors, especially of that caliber are so good at hitting their marks and, you know, kind of basically memorization. It's, it's so Hmm. easy to work with and, in a way like he can kind of like do it and store it in his brain and then do it exactly the same um and and actors that are like that are just also so good at taking notes that they can like shift something really tiny that changes the whole energy of it so um Mm. so sebastian was like so game that i think that's also why it worked so well um and this was sort of like all of us knew that the scene was like a very clear sort of apex moment of his character um, in terms of shifting mm-hmm. for the rest of the film, how he would act. So we knew there mm-hmm. had to be sort of like a wink and a smile to it, even though it was quite dark um, mm-hmm. in terms of its context. So,
0: You're right. Totally. I can't wait for everyone to see this and understand. Yeah, I was trying to say everything
1: without giving away specifics.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, it sounds like you had the right combination of, you know, obviously professionals. You have people at the top of their game doing what they're great at. But if I were to dissolve that, if we kind of took away the actual job descriptions of an actor and a choreographer, you had somebody who was game and somebody who is a really good guide. And when you have those two things and enough time in the shoot schedule, you can get the thing that you want. Um, It's so remarkable. I love that scene. In fact, I think I'm overdue for a
1: rewatch maybe. (laughs) You know, it's, it's also what's so amazing about, like one of my favorite things about working on that film was working with the camera operators. Um, it's another type of thing. Like mm, when you get to a, horrible- a certain level of people that are like top of their game, you know, when you get to people who are shooting, you know, some of the best features in the world or some of the best TV shows in the world, like these operators are incredible. They're they're really really instinctual. Um, any any movements they're doing, really, I like I I give them direction. The DP gives them direction, but they are using their instincts to translate what Mm -hmm. I'm asking for and Mm -hmm. like we just had like the best of the best like our our a cam operator was just like he did things in ways that like were just so much better than we even asked him to do and so especially in that scene that was obviously like a big Mm -hmm. important part of it was how he was moving so um yeah Mm -hmm. just put that out there cool do you wanna
0: do you wanna shout them out? Who are your 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 teammates? I know you also had a great relationship with the DP.
1: Yeah, uh, Pavel Pogorzelski is my DP. Um, thank the thank the heavens above for that. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we had a we had a pretty killer operating team. Our ACAM operators were split between two people, Steve and Dan. Sorry, Steve and Dean. You can I'll repeat that. Two people, Steve yep. and Dean. Um, and then we had uh, an incredible um, focus puller Christian, who was just like never had to even check his work once because he was just like such an all star. Um, yeah, oh, that's so when important when you're when you're, oh, when so you're working. Yeah, when you're working with people like that, like after a couple days, like our, we you know we shot for thirty days, and after a couple days, you go, oh, like I don't even have to. I don't even have to. That doesn't have to cross my mind because that person is so right. good at what they do that, like, Oof. I get to just, it, when you have people around you like that, you get to just focus on the core of it and your your world becomes yes. a lot, I don't know, it, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. I love filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is the aim. Is it not?
0: Like, that is the aim. I talk a lot on the podcast about progress over perfection. I know so many of us are stifled, especially artists, dancers in particular, stifled by um, perfectionism and a whole lot of imposter syndrome. And um, so on the podcast, I talk a lot about the idea of being enough and that sometimes progress is enough. Perfection is not necessary Most of the time, but man, oh man, when you have a team that can pull off a perfect take, which I mean, we're humans, so does that exist? I don't know. But I'll tell you this, when it comes to instincts, having great instincts and having the technical chops to pull off difficult shit, it's so important because it saves so much time like not only the time moving forward where you didn't have to explain the minutiae of exactly everything that you wanted let alone teach it to them like you didn't have to explain it and you didn't have to teach them how to do it but you also didn't have to go back and do things again so you're saving time by having a great team by having capable people you save time in the beginning while you're shooting and at the end um and i'm harping on this I'm underlining this because I just worked with uh, me and Riley Higgins my assistant just worked with a group of 91 seven to 10 year olds and they don't have instincts yet they have the instinct to play and to talk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) which are which sort of push you back on the timeline but everything else has to be explained like how the wings work on the side of the stage. We have to be able to talk about where you should stand while you're back there. and I'm here to choreograph what the audience sees and yet we're having to have conversations and little micro trainings about how to mm-hmm. be how to stand in the wings while you're backstage. So yes,
1: but you are that person they will always remember teaching them that. That's a
0: huge that thing. is true. They will hear my voice in their 16 year old heads saying, if you can see them, they can see you back up, back up. Um, but yeah, that's, I think we, we're all aspiring to get to a place where we have strong instincts and strong technical chops. Um, and it's all, that's all part of the journey, but we all want to be on those teams. And I'm reminded also of one of my favorite quotes to come out of My favorite artist, Tom Sachs, his studio, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, it will not fail because of me, which, of course, has two meanings. It means it won't be my fault that it sucks. Like, I'm not going to do anything to ruin it, but it also means I will save it. Like, it will not fail because of me. I will swoop in and save it, and also I will not ruin it. Um, And I I love that. And it sounds like you have had a team of people that were – you know, determined to make this thing go. And it sounds like it sounds like it did. And I hope uh, I hope that even if it didn't, you feel like it did. <laughs> Since it is a mystery after all. It is a mystery. Um, okay. Uh question now. What's up next for you? I know this this big big fresh was a big deal for you. Are you excited about things on the horizon? What's going on? Are you allowed to talk about anything?
1: Yeah, I, I can talk about things. Um I I am yeah. I, I, I don't even know. <sighs> Saying the things I'm doing out loud <laughs> doesn't feel real. So I, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like I I'm, I'm try- maybe need to – this is giving me practice to to learn how to talk. <laughs> mm, good, 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 good. Come get <laughs> it. Learn how to talk and be able to stand on my own two feet about the things that are coming because the things that are coming are big and um Olympic gargantuan. They're Olympic. They're Olympic. I mm-hmm. am doing a, a thriller called Holland, Michigan. And I okay. am doing it with Nicole Kidman. Yes, and you are. Gael Garcia Bernal. Um and we are shooting that. We're gonna start prepping in October of this year, and we'll be shooting beginning of next year.
0: Awesome. So that is
1: what's next um I also have a few other things I, I, that I don't need to mention but'm I'm, I'm working on some scripts with some writers which is super super fun and I am uh, hopefully potentially um, directing a pilot of a TV show that's really really exciting that's like a period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't speak about it more than that. Okay, but don't speak about it. Don't speak about all it. All of these things are really cool, and um, yeah, I'm I'm mostly just focused on this next film, and really excited. Someone's letting me make another film.
0: <laughs> we love that. Yes, and me, my brain just burst in half. I can't believe I didn't lead with this. Why did I not lead with this? You said writing, and my brain went like, "Holy freaking smokes!" I don't even know if you are aware of this, but what? My, this podcast, Words That Move Me, started out as a book, which you um. were helping me to edit.
1: <laughs> yeah, what the you heck, like, Dana?
0: What the <laughs> heck? You were my editor for Words That Move Me when it was a book, and you helped me check myself every time I wanted to use a freaking ellipsis. <laughs> i was ellipses, daddy everything was a run-on sentence and you very gently were like i think what you mean here is a comma <laughs> or oh, i think that's a new sentence i really really appreciated that and i love i love that that's another another part of what makes our work history so rich and so much mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. um Well, thank you for all of that. And I'm sorry that I did not use your work. I turned it into a podcast, but the (laughs) podcast is going really well. I have this awesome director on right now. Her name is Mimi Cave. She's so great. (laughs) Can't wait for you to hear the episode. Um, But uh, I'm so excited for you and all that's to come. I know it's been ups and downs and you seem to take them all with so much grace. So I look up to you a lot for that. Thank you for sharing with us today.
1: Thank you, Dana. Oh my gosh. I feel like I just sat through just like a showering of compliments and I uh, you know, I I, I need you to know that Well, you need, to know, to, able, I, you need uh, to know how to be able
0: you need to know how to do that.
1: Well, excuse me. I'm I'm talking Sorry. now, Miss Dana. <laughs> <laughs> It's really hard when I can't see you. Okay, go ahead.
0: I think, okay, I think you were about okay. to compliment
1: me. I think I was about to compliment you, and I think that's why your brain went, let me just insert myself. Um, no, I, I think that what's so, what's so wonderful about you is that you are a shining example of someone who also is just following the things that interest them. And I think that you have such a right spirit in terms of how you connect with people and when you are moving through the world in that way I love that you're doing the podcast because you know those of you who listen to this and haven't been with Dana in real life or been able to you know capture a little spark of her um, it's a pretty exquisite thing and she's a pretty exquisite person to be able to experience in person, let alone on a podcast. Anyways, I'm getting lost, but <laughs> I'm just glad that you've expanded your creativity into other realms because I think that you—I uh, don't think one medium can contain all of it. So, with that, this said, is me receiving. Thanks that for having compliment.
0: me. <laughs> wow! Thank you, Mimi, and 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 look at us do such a good
1: job practicing receiving I know, I know. Well, um, I will gladly be of any uh, support I can to you in this venture and um, I hope I get to hang out with you soon. <laughs> yes,
0: dog hangs, friend hangs, move hangs. Oh, also Pilates hangs. It, those of mm-hmm. you who have never taken a Pilates class, um, Mimi got me hooked mm-hmm. and now I... I should, if I'd been taking all that Pilates, my legs would not be feeling the way they are today. Maybe, so, maybe. Get out there and work out, everyone. <laughs> work out and go watch Fresh. <laughs> That's where I will leave it right now. Thanks again, Mimi. Big, big, big love. I'll see you Christina.
1: soon. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Bye. All right, my friend. What did you think of that? I think that conversation in true Mimi form was gentle and inspiring and focused but also soft and dark but not scary but deep like dark because it's deep not dark because it's without light i hope that makes sense anyways the things i really really loved about this episode is this notion of um knowing versus showing and how we can use mystery in our work how Even if the director or choreographer knows exactly what they want the character to be thinking, the actor or the dancer, in some cases, have their own interpretation, experience, and performance, like translation of that idea, and then even further, the audience will have their own. We won't ever fully, fully know what people are thinking or what they think of our work, which I think is why it's even more important that we know what we think of our work, which which is what makes it really important, I think, for us to have ideas about our own work and be able to value it um, to our own standards. I thought it was really interesting to hear that Mimi hasn't heard yet how Fresh has done. And thinking about, myself being in that position and how how I might handle that. Oh, it brings up a lot of good questions for me. Um, Well, I hope this conversation has inspired you. I hope it's uh, lit a lovely fire under your bum to get out there into the world, to be a capable person with great instincts somebody who's game, somebody who knows how to guide, somebody who knows how to take direction, and yes, maybe even someone who knows how to direct. That is what I have for you today, my friends. Go out into the world, keep it very, very funky, and also watch Fresh. I will be linking to it in the show notes today. (laughs) All right, y'all, that's it for me. Adios. Mm this podcast was produced by me with the help of many music by max winnie logo and brand design by brie reitz and big thanks to riley higgins our executive assistant and editor also massive thanks to you the mover who is no stranger to taking action so go take action i will not cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you wanna talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also, I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not Words That Move Me related. All right, my friend. Keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.